0: Fire! Good job, worship team, man. Smoking. All right. Deal. Let's see. You ever feel like the world is just trying to break you? Just give me a subtle nod. You ever feel like, anybody else feel like life just isn't fair? You know why? It's not fair. It stinks. (laughs) Uh, The funny thing is, uh, actually the thing that makes me angry is God's always getting the blame. Uh, It's just like, oh man, God, if he cared, he would do stuff. And I'm like, uh, you did read Genesis chapter 1 and 2, right? You saw what his idea, his idea was a garden, uh, fruit, no cooking, and no wearing clothes. Yeah, that's right. Perfect bodies. Look at you. Am I supposed to laugh at that? Is that okay? I mean, can I do that? You can do that. (laughs) So, okay. So this, uh, this series is important. This series is important. Um, we're going to go after something that the enemy is going to fight us all on. It's going to fight me on. And so, uh, we're getting ready for Easter, but we're, we're doing a lot more than getting ready for Easter. We're also getting ready to see ourselves in a lot more powerful way. To see ourselves as more than just a church that gathers, but as an ecclesia that rules over supernatural realities in our community. <clears throat> so, uh, but to get there, we've got to get free of a few things. You, you ever heard the, uh, the Miranda rights you know you have the right to remain silent some of you heard it in person by a police officer I'm one of those (laughs) so long story but anyway let's say I spent 15 minutes in the county jail once and it was the worst 15 minutes of my life the toilet and the sink were the same thing and I'm like no this is a bad choice this is I'm making bad choices right now so um, anyway some people don't learn that quick but uh, this country boy did Alright, I want to read a few scriptures that I want to set up. We just said life isn't fair, so I'm going to read a few scriptures and let them speak for themselves. Don't let don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you're still anger angry, for the, anger gives a foothold to the devil. <clears throat> this is in the Bible. The reason you believe in a God is because the Bible exists. The reason you believe in Jesus or you know the story of Jesus because the Bible exists. So the same Bible that tells you about Jesus and tells you about God and tells you about Israel and tells you a whole wide range of histories and stories, that same Bible is telling you right here that when you get angry, it gives the devil, the accuser, a foothold in your life. Ephesians 6.11, put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. Now this is the Apostle Paul. This is a smart dude. This is an educated guy. And he's telling the church at Ephesus, You've got to put on the armor of God because there is a devil who has strategies against you. Strategies against you. <clears throat> First Peter. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy. The devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. And remember that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering that you are. You have an enemy. You have an enemy. You have an enemy. And he's trying to destroy you. Not, he's not just trying to make your life uncomfortable. He's not just trying to bounce a few checks or charges. He's not just trying to make things inconvenient. He's trying to wreck everything about your life and he would kill you if he could. Okay? And he will kill you if he can. And so you have an enemy that Jesus said uh, is the thief who's come to steal, kill, and destroy we have an enemy that jesus came according to first john 3 8 to destroy the works of that enemy so here's the thing what are you going to do with that information because the enemy loves it when people walk around and go well yeah you know i believe there's a god i believe he's good but the devil stuff that sounds a little crazy uh, you need to remember that the jesus that you like and follow believe in had a 40 day argument with someone called the devil in the wilderness. So either Jesus is crazy or there's a real enemy trying to wipe you personally and individually out. That's where we begin the series. series. Now, if you may be sitting there going, I don't know how I feel about this, Michael. How about this? How about you don't feel anything right yet? How about you give me some time to show you what he's doing in your life? And how you can break it off. Okay? So let's start there. So we're going to cover three lies that the enemy's using to trap us in this room. Three lies that probably are lies that we have all accepted in one place or another in our lives. Today we're talking about not enough worth. I'm not worth anything. Next week we'll talk about not enough resources. I don't have enough. And the third week we'll talk about not enough faith. I don't believe enough. Okay. Three lies that the enemy tells us that we have to deal with in our life. So we need to learn how he works. So the Bible says in second Corinthians, Paul writes, when you forgive this man, long story, I'm not going to tell you about the man right now, but there was an, an issue in the church. Believe it or not, the churches in the first century had issues too. Okay. <laughs> so when you forgive this man, I forgive him. And when I forgive Whatever needs to be forgiven, I do so with Christ's authority for your benefit. That's what authority is for, but that's another sermon. So that Satan will not outsmart us because we are for we are familiar with his evil schemes. Okay? We are familiar with his evil schemes. This is important. I would debate whether or not modern Christianity is familiar with his evil schemes. So we're going to get familiar with some of those today uh, as we work through these agreements that we make. The enemy wants you desperately. The enemy is like, in fact, the Bible calls him the accuser. I don't know if you've ever been in a courtroom, watched Matlock or something like that. Oh, I'm sorry, that was way back there. Law and order, (laughs) something like that. (sighs) There's usually a prosecuting attorney. Okay, there's always a prosecuting attorney. All right, so... What is the prosecuting attorney's job? Well, his job is to accuse you and prosecute you and prove that you're guilty. And he does that using, uh, you know, legal means. So the enemy, and this is something I, you have to understand that the, the rule of darkness is one that is bound by laws and it loves lots of laws. And so the enemy is always accusing you, and he's always calling witnesses to the stand. And his favorite witness to call to the stand is you. You ever seen one of those lawyer-type shows, and they're in the courtroom, and the prosecuting attorney, through clever uh, questioning, traps the witness, you know, leads them with a series of questions into, you know, condemning themselves? Where do you think that idea came from? It's an eternal idea. There's always been an accuser, and that is always how he has worked. He's always trying to get you and me to condemn ourselves with our own words, with our own thoughts. He's trying to get us to agree with him about our lives. He wants us to agree with him. And so we back up to where this all started. The the, the Garden of Eden. The, I mean, the world was brand new, still had that new car smell. <laughs> Eve and Adam are hanging out at the end of the day because no one has to cook dinner. No one has to dress for dinner. No one has to dress. <laughs> Those are the days. Anyway, so um, <laughs> they're just hanging out. It's perfect. It's so good. It's so good, God says it's good. God looks at it and says, man, this is good. I did a a, a nice job. This is good. That's how he wanted it. They're just chilling out. Then interstage left. dun-dun-dun-dun, the villain. Here he comes, walking, because apparently snakes had legs at that point in time. So that is creepy. That is creepy. I don't like snakes. Snakes with legs, that's really creepy. I know some of you are like, I have an iguana. Snakes with legs. The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord had made. And one day he asked the woman, Please hear this question. This question is crazy. Did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? What a question! I mean, God's created this whole world. God said it's good. They're sitting around chilling in the afternoon. They're walking with God twice a day, hanging out with God. And here the, the snake comes up and he says, Is it really true that all of this stuff that's around you, all these beautiful things, this gorgeous looking fruit, that you can't have any of it? That is a manipulative question. When someone presents to you something that's absolutely absurd, I'm not saying anything about politics right now. (laughs) But when someone says something that's absolutely absurd, they force you to walk over to their side and look at what they're saying. And even if you walk over there and go, that's ridiculous, you're still on their side. You've, you've covered the half distance, and what they have done is they've convinced you to come over their way. This is, a, is actually a, a tool today. It's called persuasion. It's the fine art of manipulation. It's a, it's a study. It's a psychology. It's serious business, and this is exactly how it works. Make an absolutely preposterous claim, and then your opponent has come halfway to your side just to refute you. And so that's what the enemy does. He, he makes these crazy claims. And then we go and look. And so he makes this nutty lie. And the lie initially is, man, God must be a jerk. I mean, he made all this stuff and said, you can't have any of it. It's torture. How are, you, how, how are you doing? It sounds like a crazy claim. God can't be good if he's like that. God can't be good at all. This is the enemy's accusation against, against God. So Eve is the first one to speak up. I'm not saying anything by that. There's no, no gender stereotypes I'm throwing out there at all. I'm just saying she's the first one to speak up. I've got some of you ladies pointing your finger at me. You watch it, boy. We'll come and spank you. Anyway, so... Uh, So Eve responds, and at this point, Eve's heart's good. You got to know that what happened here, there's some nuance to it, okay? Of course we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden. Of course we may eat fruit. That's a stupid thing to say. What do you mean God would put us here and we can't have anything? Of course we may eat fruit from the garden, the trees in the garden. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden, We're not allowed to eat. God said, you must not eat it or even touch it. Now, he didn't say that last part. Eve's trying to play on the devil's level. Or even touch it or you will die. You see, she's trying to refute the enemy. But the problem is you can't refute the enemy with more or less than what God said. If you look at how Jesus dealt with the enemy in Luke chapter 4, he just quotes God. He doesn't add anything to it, he doesn't take anything from it. He just says, This is what God said. Deal with it, dude. And the enemy tried to, but he lost. So the enemy comes back. We start with, You can't have any of this stuff? Oh, of course. We could have it all except for that one tree. Can't can't even touch that one. You'll die enemy comes back. You won't die. You can hear the sneer. You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. Here's an expansion. So the first lie that he's shoveling out just by asking the question is, God isn't good. God, cast, he's casting doubts on the goodness of God. Now he's calling God a liar. Straight up calling God a liar. You won't die. That's not even the doozy. That's not even the biggest lie he's going to share. But in posing these questions, he he moves her and her thinking uh, closer to his ideas. In verse 5, he goes on to say, God knows, God knows that your eyes will be open as soon as you eat it and you'll be like God, knowing both good and evil. And the woman was convinced. Here's the third lie. God's, first lie, God's not good. Second lie, God lied, he's holding out on you. Third lie, you're not enough like you are. You're not enough like you are. You're not God, you you want to be God. You could be your own God, you could be like God. You could decide what's good and what's bad. By yourself right now sitting in this garden walking with God every day all your needs met You're you're not enough. You don't have enough value. You don't have enough strength You can't determine anything, but if you eat this piece of fruit You'll be like God You'll be your own God You won't need God See And she was Convinced She was convinced by this question. She agreed. She agreed with the devil. And Adam agreed with the devil by agreeing with Eve. And here we are. Where we are today started with an agreement with our accuser that we were not enough as God had made us that we needed to be more and by accepting that lie we lost everything does that make sense so this agreement is so powerful so powerful I want to show you the power of agreement because you're, you're probably thinking to yourself, so what if we agree with someone, we make an agreement? What's the, what's the big deal? Well, it's a huge deal because agreement gives an influence in our life. Uh, Michael over here, I see you're wearing a Cowboys sweater, the Wyoming Cowboys. We're just keeping that from getting weird. What if, what if Michael and I decide, Michael and Michael be a rap group the plain white rappers <laughs> <laughs> sorry just having a little fun not enough sleep a little delirious please forgive me um, so what if Michael and I agree on the Wyoming Cowboys what does that mean well you just like the Cowboys no that's not what it means it means more than that it means that if Michael walks in the door on a Sunday morning he starts some hey man did you hear about the Cowboys last weekend guess what's gonna happen I'm going to perk up. Why? We have an agreement. We agree on something. That means that now, on this one thing, not everything, but on this one thing, the Wyoming Cowboys, we are tethered together now by an agreement. And when Michael talks about the Cowboys, this Michael is going to listen, because we have an agreement. Now... If we don't agree, maybe we disagree on on some other sports, or we disagree on some politics, or we disagree on some theology. In places that we disagree, we're not tethered. He starts talking about those things. Uh, I mean, I'm not tuning in because I'm not tethered with an agreement. But when he brings up the Cowboys, I'm going, we, we have an agreement. We're on the same page. We're birds of a feather flocking together. We are listening to each other because of... In agreement. You say, well, what does that have to do with Satan and Eve? If the enemy can make you agree with him, he will tether you to him. And you will listen to him. And he will speak. And whenever he speaks on something that you agree with him about... You will listen. And this agreement today is not enough. And here's how the accuser will work in your mind. It's like sitting in a courtroom and you're on the witness stand and the prosecuting attorney is coming after you and he's asking you questions like, well, you're really not enough, are you? You you know, you're really not that valuable. You know, you really can't do it. You really can't excel. You really can't be faithful. You really just don't have it in you. There's just not enough to you, is there? And he poses all those questions, and his whole intent is to trick you into being a witness against yourself. He does not play fair. And so you sit in that courtroom of your mind day after day fighting with, you think yourself. But you have an accuser who's trying to get you to agree with him about how much you're worth. You have an accuser who's trying to get you to agree with him about how much you're worth. And he's trying to define your value. How much do you think you're worth to the devil? The one who's accusing you, the one who wants to destroy you, the one who would kill you if you're good. How much do you think you're worth to him? And so he's trying to get you to agree with him about how much you're worth. <clears throat> so, who are you going to agree with? I mean, we are going to agree with people in our lives and we're going to agree with entities in our life. But if we agree with the enemy, what we do is we give him a foothold in our life. If we agree with him, when he tells us we're worthless, we're powerless, we can't do it, we can't accomplish. To agree with him, we have to disagree with someone else. We have to disagree with someone else who's defined our value in an entirely different way. You know, it isn't just you. He he also tries to devalue God. In Satan's mind, even God the Father has no value. He's the only being with value. And so he's trying to attack that every turn. So those questions in your mind, you begin to have that inner debate. Questions like, well, you know, God's kind of let me down. God didn't come through. He didn't do what I wanted. Yeah, I'm not able to do much. I keep failing. <clears throat> Are you going to keep agreeing with that? See, this passage in 2 Corinthians, Paul tells us this. Paul knew all about this, by the way. This is not news. We know this because of him. And Paul tells us in, Matthew, in 2 Corinthians 10.4, he says, we use God's mighty weapons. We use God's Mighty weapons, not worldly weapons. Oh, that's interesting. There isn't a weapon on this planet that can save you from this agreement. You understand that, right? There isn't a man-made human effort weapon that will deliver you from the Satan's attack, accusations, and the agreements that you've made with him. There isn't anything of man that will do that. You have a better set of weapons. And with those God weapons, with those mighty weapons, you're able to knock down strongholds of human reasoning. Isn't that what you're doing when you're agreeing with him? Well, you're not enough. You can't succeed. God isn't helping you out. I mean, you need more. You need to be more. Isn't isn't that human reasoning? Aren't you working through this logic? And what is the enemy doing? He's constructing this web of lies that are trapping you trapping us to believe something that isn't true, believe something based on fear and not faith. These weapons of God knock those down and they destroy false arguments. So, who are you going to agree with? is the real question. Who are you going to agree with? Are you, you going to agree with your prosecuting attorney? The one who's trying to get you convicted and condemned? Are you going to agree... With your champion, the one who fought for you, died for you, lived again for you. Who are you going to agree with? It's a choice you have to, to realize is actually before you. You, you, can, you can make a choice about who you agree with and you can stop agreeing with the enemy. You can stop right. trying to convict yourself. You can stop agreeing with things that aren't true. The, the enemy can't read your mind, but he can feed thoughts into your head. Right. He doesn't have to read your mind if you're thinking what he told you to think. That's right. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so <clears throat> he, want, he does that to get us and trick us into um, believing, us and just, uh, believing these things and agreeing with him. And just think about how many things are determined in our life by our beliefs about how much we're worth. Think about how many things are determined in our life. Who who you date uh, in high school or as a young adult, determined by your worth. The things you'll let people say and do to you, determined by how much you think that you're worth. The the things that you'll attempt, whether it's career or even recreational things. If If you don't believe you have value or worth, it will greatly minimize the things that you will attempt Do you see how these subtle little things the enemy uses to steal our lives, steal our freedom, steal our experience, steal our joy, steal our revelation revelation and inspiration. All by a simple accusation. You're not enough. You, You can't do it. You have no value. You've just screwed up too much. You've done too much wrong. You've got too many sins on your card, right? It's real quiet. I'm either hitting a nerve or you turn me off. (laughs) Have you ever met? Have you ever met a ridiculously successful person? They like have a mental illness. (laughs) Hear me out. Hear me out. Every ridiculously successful person I know cannot take no for an answer. They cannot take failure for a stop or a quit. They're like, they just keep going. And when they fail, they get up and they keep trying. There's something wrong with them. God. Um, yeah. And it's all connected to what they believe. What they believe about who they are and what they accomplish. They just never surrender to their circumstances or their challenges or any of those kind of things. Another thing I want you to see is that self-deprecation is not your friend. We call it humility. We call it humility. Well, you know, I really am not that talented or smart or good-looking. I'm sorry, I'm not trying to sound like anybody. That's just how it came out, so... We call that humility, but that is not humility i mean if god If God gave you wealth, if God gave you beauty, if god God filled your life with good things, who are you honoring by making that less right. I mean rather than saying well you know i 'm really not that much, what you should be saying is, "Man, my God is awesome yeah. i 'm blessed yeah. right Oh. You don't, the, the enemy doesn't need your help accusing you is what I want you to see. Yeah. Uh, and, and I've said this before, but I'm going to say it again just in case you weren't here. The devil does not need an advocate. Right. He's got it covered, man. He, 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 can, he can prosecute all day long, all night long, all the time. He doesn't need you on his side. He doesn't need anyone being his advocate. We need some Jesus advocates. We need some gospel advocates. We need some advocates for people who are suffering, who are trapped, who believe things that aren't true. But the devil is the last personality that needs an argument. So don't, 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 don't agree with your accuser about you. Don't agree with your accuser about you. I'm not telling you to live in pride. I'm not telling you to deny reality. I'm telling you, stop agreeing with the voice in your head That's diminishing the person that God made you to be. If you are on this planet, God put you here. You must be valuable. God decided you should be here. I don't care what your circumstances are. I don't care if your parents didn't plan you. If you're the product of something that happened that was wrong. If you're on this earth, God decided you needed. You needed to be here. Okay? And so we need to stop agreeing with the enemy. And, and let me just throw this out there. Your sins and mistakes cannot make you worthless. That's right. When God put you on the planet, he knew your life before it happened. And he still put you here. That's right. So I don't care who's told you you're worthless. I don't care how many courts you've had to sit through, jail cells you've sit in, how much you've endured abuse or any of those things. They have nothing to say about your value. Do you understand this? You cannot mess up God's creation that is you. And the enemy, I don't want you to agree with him anymore. Your family heritage doesn't determine your value either. Whether you were born what race you were, how poor or rich your family is, how much they loved you, none of that. None of that, none of that is a statement of what you're worth. There is one statement, there is one statement that defines your worth. It's the fact that God the Father nailed God the Son to a cross for your soul. He thinks you're worth the life of His only begotten Son. That's your value. You're worth the death of God's Son. That's how much. You're worth. That's how much you're worth the day you were born. That's how much you're worth if you ever sat in a jail cell. That's how much you're worth if you ever went through a divorce. That's how much you're worth if you were ever abused. That's just how much you're worth. Amen. The precious blood of Jesus. So stop agreeing with a crooked, slimy, four-legged snake who hates you and has the ability to put stupid stuff in your head stop agreeing with your accuser and start agreeing with your champion because you my friend you are very precious to God That's just why he hates us. Amen. Daniel 10, 19. The angel said to Daniel, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Let's say that together. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. afraid. Why? Why, angel? Why should I be afraid? Don't be afraid, for you are very precious to God. Be encouraged and be strong. That's what the angel said to Daniel. Now you're probably sitting there going, well, I'm no Daniel. I know, you don't even look like a Daniel. (laughs) Unless you're Daniel, then you you look like a Daniel. (sighs) You see, the words of God are given for us for instruction. Every story, every word is for us in some way. And so, Paul takes this concept of preciousness to God, and he comes along in Romans 8.13 and he confirms it, 8.32. And he says... Since the Father, God, did not spare His own Son, Jesus, but gave Him up for us all. That's your statement of worth. That's your value. Won't He also give us everything else? Won't He also give us everything else? You're very precious to God. Michael, I don't think God's listening to me. He's listening. I don't think He's answered my prayers. He's answering. You're very precious to Him. Do you have anyone in your life that's very precious to you? Your spouse, your children, your parents, your friends? When when someone's precious to you, how do you think about them? How do you feel about them? What do you do for them? What is your heart for them? And here God says you are very precious to God, an infinite being. An infinite being, far more than you will ever be, has determined that you are very precious to him. How precious is preciousness to an infinite being? How much more precious are you to God than anything and everything combined that's precious in your life? You are very precious to God. And the angel thought, an angel who like hung out with God in heaven, he thought that should be really encouraging. You should be encouraged because you are very precious to God. That should make you courageous and bold. First Corinthians 6.2, let me throw this one in your court. This is, this is awesome. This is awesome. If you don't listen to this, enjoy your nap. Go ahead and sleep to the rest, okay? Because it, this is so good. Paul writes, don't you realize? Don't you realize? Hey. I'm sorry, I'm a little today. Turn and look at your neighbor and say, don't you realize? (sighs) Neighbor, don't you realize? I'm sorry, I I got this southern thing going on. (sighs) Don't you realize that someday, someday we believers, point at yourself. Someday we believers will judge the world. Whoa, I'm in a room full of people. Who are the authorities on this world they have authority and power and since you're going to judge the world can't you decide on these little things among yourselves it's a funny little text Paul uses their authority in Christ to deal with the fact that they have a lot of church division that they can't figure out and he's like hey guys uh, you're gonna be judging the world you should practice yeah. that's what he's saying I'm in the room full of people I, I care about your story, but I don't care what it is. It doesn't change your value, your worth. It doesn't change who you are. You're a son or a daughter of the almighty, sovereign, eternal God. You're a friend of Jesus. Your value is beyond anything that you could ever imagine. This is what God's decided about you, so much so that one day you're going to be rulers over all of this, obviously to everyone. And I believe you're already rulers over this, but I'll get into that at another sermon. Don't you realize, he goes on to say in verse 3, that we will judge angels. Do you have any idea how important you are? Here we are, sitting in our fear, wallowing in pity, believing things about ourselves that are not even our own thoughts about ourselves. Afraid of things that we don't even actually fear, we're feeling the fear of our enemy. I don't know if you understand this or know this, but the en- your enemy, the accuser, the devil, and all of his hordes, all the demons that represent him, are terrified because they know what God is like. They have seen him. They have seen His wrath. They have seen His judgment. They watched what happened at the cross and saw what God unleashed upon His Son on your behalf. They saw it all. And they know that one day we're their judges. Do you see why He wants to end you? Why He hates you? Makes Him so angry that God loves you. And God threw him out of heaven just for trying to take over and be God. Wow. This lie has got to be ended. You have to stop judging yourself based by the enemy's criteria. Judging yourself based by some strange interpretation of your own appearance whether or not you're attractive or skinny or large or just more of you to love if you're large what's filling your echo chamber today what's bouncing around in your head you are precious to God is that is that bouncing around in there you are precious to God. You are deeply and profoundly loved. Is that's what's bouncing around in that echo chamber, or or is it uh, you're not enough? You need to be more attractive. You need to lose more weight. You need to make more money. You need more. You're just not enough. You just got to be more. You got to more. Isn't isn't that what your isn't that what your social media stream is? <laughs> More, got to be more. Work harder, more. Just stop making excuses and do more. Uh, When do I get to rest? Excuse me? Hello? So what's in that echo chamber? Is it freedom and victory or is it fear and failure? Is it faith or is it fear? And and do you agree with your champion or do you agree with your enemy? Because you can change the voice and you can change the chamber. You, you hear me? You can, you can be free. 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 You're actually already free. You've been set free for freedom, man. I, I I would love to see. I would love to see Christians in the world and in America get excited about freedom. I'd love us to start believing that we're free. Now I know. I know what it's like to sit in places, and this lie that the enemy has, I have all, I'm also struggling with. Don't you think, oh man, Pastor Michael's got it figured out. That's almost never the case. In fact, if you need to know how to do it wrong, you probably should call me. I can probably help you out. My point is this. If we can disagree with the devil... If we could break off that lie, if we could evict the enemy out of our head, if we could end his influence in our life and realize the trap, realize that that argument in your head is not just you arguing with you. That argument in your head is not just you arguing with you. You are on the witness stand and your accusing attorney is trying to trap you. Get up and walk out of the court because Jesus paid the price all the sins are on him. You're forgiven. You're a free man or woman. Walk out. I don't believe this anymore. I don't accept this anymore. I renounce this in the name of Jesus. How about that? You said, well, Michael, that sounds, really re- that sounds real spiritual and religious. Yeah, that's uh, what we're about. <laughs> that's our thing. That's kind of our thing, you know. There's clubs for positive attitude and success. There's only one thing that deals with the supernatural roots, and that's the ecclesia. That's the church of Jesus Christ. And so we have mighty weapons that come from God to break these things off. By the way, we could also become a witness for someone else. You know that the person next to you, the children in your home, your spouse, is under the same accusation, the same ongoing trial in their brains that you are. So speak for their behalf. You, my wife, you, my son, my daughter, you, my friend, you are precious to God. You are worth the death of God's Son. You are worth the most valuable thing in the world in all of eternity, the blood of Jesus. That's who you are. That's what you're worth. I'm speaking that. I'll be your witness. If we break these lies off, man, and set each other free, it's for freedom you've been set free. That's what, that's what Paul says. For freedom you've been set free. Have you ever thought about that? I know it's really scary. I'm free, you're free. Let's be free. So. I think you probably have a communion cup. I don't know if I have one. I do? Okay. I don't know what I'd do without you. I love you. Can we do something? uh, I don't know. It's not really that weird, but let's... Actually, let's just see how this goes. So I don't know if you know how these things work, but uh, let me give you a little instructions this morning. So this is a two-part piece. The cellophane comes off, and there's a piece of bread in there. Please don't judge the church based on the taste of this bread. (laughs) And uh, there's a piece of bread in there. And then under that's a foil liner, and you can pull that, and that gets you to the juice, okay? Um, We're going to do the bread first. if, If I could ask you to do something a little different today. Normally, we just stand up and kind of look at me. Uh, and I'm not that great to look at just like, but you just made an agreement with the devil Michael thank you, thank you I'm handsome what I want you to do is uh, rather than just look at me I wondered if you'd just kind of turn around and maybe not circle up but just maybe one row, turn around and face the other row and let's just, let's just uh, you say Michael this is weird, I don't really want to look at people I... we're ecclesia we're community we're family and, and family does weird stuff, right? You know, can we do some weird stuff just now? Let's all stand up. Let's kind of just, just turn around and face somebody. You know, just kind of, I, I just don't want you doing this alone. You can smile at them. You can even make it a little weird if you want. All right. So good. So good. So I'm going to read a passage. And, and, and I'm going to give you something to say as you take the bread today. And if you don't want to say it, that's fine. You don't, you don't have to feel like you have to do that. But if you do, what we're going to try and do is we're going to try and break off a lie. We're going to try and break off a lie. So here's what we have in uh, 1 Corinthians 11. Paul says, I, I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night, I'm Jesus told him this. Jesus told him this. He says, on the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and he gave thanks to God for it. And then he broke it in pieces. And Jesus said this, he says, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Now, as you take this bread, here's what I want you to say. I, I I renounce the lie that I'm not enough. I renounce the lie that I'm not enough. Jesus' body was broken. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper. Can you imagine Jesus with the twelve sharing this moment? In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant. It's the new covenant between God and his people. An agreement. An agreement confirmed by his blood. So as you take the wine, I just want you to say, I agree with my champion. I agree with my champion. Worship team, while we're worshiping, I and a few others will be on my right. And I would love to help you if there's any way, we would love to help if there's any way to break off anything that the enemy's telling you. We would love to help you find freedom. I'll be on my right, let's worship together, and you can come forward and we'll pray with you on my right, your left, while we're doing that.